Bill Barnwell, we're on the verge of the new NFL season. Training camps opening this week. 32 teams that will have something to prove this fall. But you're here with us today to talk about a particular team. The all-pressure team. What does it take to be on this roster? As someone who does not deal well with pressure, Jeremy, the idea of being on an all-pressure team scares me. But for NFL players who are presumably better at dealing with the stress of being or, or, or producing at a high level with a lot on the line, there are several ways you could be on an all-pressure team for the 2023 season. You could have a lot of money writing on the 2023 season. I think about someone last year, for example, like Jalen Hurts, who was included in my column on this topic last year, where Jalen Hurts played really well and got $110 million in guaranteed money. You can be a coach or a general manager who has a lot writing on this season. Maybe you've traded draft picks for a 39-year-old quarterback who has lots of controversial theories. Maybe you're a coach who... Uh, fired their offensive coordinator inexplicably after he had been one of the highest scoring offenses in football over the prior two seasons. And then there are the guys maybe in the middle, maybe players who have a legacy to relive, maybe players who have questionable playoff history. And maybe for them, it's about establishing themselves as something beyond what they're being portrayed as. And then there are guys on the way out. Maybe they only have a year or two or three years left where they have their last chance at winning a Super Bowl or redefining their legacy before they have to retire. So lots of ways to get on the list. Thankfully, though, Jeremy, none of them are be a guest on ESPN Daily. No, we try to keep the pressure at a minimum. With training camps now opening up, it is the dawn of another NFL season with all the drama and the pressure starting anew. But while every player is scrutinized, there are some out there who have more on the line than others. So today, Bill Barnwell unveils the members of his 2023 all-pressure team. He'll tell us who has the most to gain and the most to lose this season. I'm Jeremy Schapp. It's Wednesday, July 26th. This is ESPN Daily. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats Headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder.
Bill, the NFL is about, more so than ever before, more so than any time in its history, it's all about the quarterback position. So the all-pressure team clearly has more than one quarterback. Where do we begin this discussion with quarterbacks who are under pressure this season? Yeah, Jeremy, last year I mentioned Jalen Hurts and how he had $100 million or so writing on the 2022 season, and that worked out for him positively, thankfully for Jalen Hurts. I think that player this year is Tua Tango-Vailoa. I, I don't need to rehash too much of what happened last year. Certainly still fresh in many people's minds, but Tua, of course, got off to an incredible start. He was, in my opinion, the best quarterback in football during the first half of the 2022 season. He was averaging more than nine yards per attempt, He threw 18 touchdowns against just three picks, had a league-best QBR of 82.4 from that point forward. Uh, Tua had already suffered one, maybe two concussions. He suffered a third later in the season in a loss to the Packers. His numbers declined. The Dolphins did struggle on offense. And after his second or third concussion, depending on whether you believe the NFL and Pekavailoa had a mysterious back injury, uh, he missed the remainder of the regular season and then the postseason loss to the Bills. Now, Tango Valoa has had his fifth-year option for 2024 picked up, but is not expected to sign an extension before this season. So right now, all Tua is guaranteed is $23.2 million for the 2024 season. So here's how he gets to $100 million more. If he lives up to the expectations from a year ago, he stays healthy and stars in 2023, the Dolphins are going to pay him accordingly. He's going to be their quarterback of the future. Hertz got $110 million fully guaranteed with the cap rise and these two other quarterbacks getting extensions in the months to come. Two is going to be looking at more than $120 million in guaranteed money. So $120 million or more in guarantees if things work out, $23 million if things don't work out, you're looking at about $97, $100 million in fully guaranteed money if Tua plays well in 2023. So let's move about as far as possible in the National Football League away from Miami to the Bay Area, to San Francisco and the 49ers. They've had so much quarterback drama, these revolving doors, musical chairs, all of the cliches. Uh, What's going on now? Well, there's a very curious situation with a player who seemed to be the 49ers quarterback of the future last year in Trey Lance, where the Niners traded three first-round picks to acquire Lance before the 2021 season. And frankly, he was good when he was on the field. It wasn't as if he struggled. He started two games as a fill-in for Jimmy Garoppolo that year. He averaged eight and a half yards per attempt, ran for 120 yards in those two starts. And then this time last year, he's going to be the guy. Everyone's prepared to see Trey Lance break out with Kyle Shanahan in that offense. Well, week one, he plays in a torrential downpour in Chicago and struggles, which nobody was moving the ball on offense in the weather, given what it was like in Chicago that day. And then the first quarter of the following week, he breaks his ankle. He's done for the year. After 262 snaps, it kind of feels like the Niners have given up on Trey Lance. Because of what happened after, Lance got injured a year ago. Jimmy Garoppolo, who of course is now with the Raiders, uh, played very well. But he was healthy, and then Brock Purdy, the unheralded seventh-round pick, comes in and thrives. Admittedly, and this is something that people have forgotten, with Christian McCaffrey, who was not part of this organization 
when Lance was on the field earlier in the season. But this extends beyond what we've seen on the field. Every report that's come out of Niners camp over the past couple of years has been a little hesitant and a little concerned about Lance. There has not been the sort of fervent enthusiasm, over-the-top excitement you hear from teams when they have a young quarterback who's about to take over as the starter. Sometimes that enthusiasm is unwarranted. I mean, there's there was a point where Mitch Trubisky was getting so many MVP bets that even the bookmakers said stop betting on him a couple of years ago. But with Trey Lance, it feels like Sam Darnold, the the possible third string quarterback who was brought in this year to help hedge against uh, Purdy's elbow injury, that Darnold might be ahead of Lance on the depth chart if Purdy's not able to go in week one. But what did he do? There's such a small sample size. What did he do? You know, to to put himself in a position to mix sports metaphors to get you know Lou Gehrig or Wally, <laughs> Wally pipped, pipped or however you want to however you want to put it. It certainly feels that way, and it's not about what he did more so than what Purdy did. Whereas this offense looked much better, at least in the small sample we had with Purdy and with Lance, it looked much better with a seventh round pick just distributing the football, and that. Mm. That it really hits at what, and not not just the seventh round pick, the last pick the in last the draft. Pick. Yes, other seventh round picks were looking down at Brock Purdy for being drafted so late <laughs> right. in the seventh round, and yet he is the one who has now emerged as a possible franchise quarterback, and that's what made that bet from Kyle Shanahan so interesting. Trey Lance, who was going to be a run heavy quarterback, they were going to transform their offense. The quarterback run game was going to be an essential piece of what they were doing. It felt like Kyle Shanahan was sort of moving into the future. His offense was evolving with a different kind of quarterback. And then Lance gets hurt and Purdy comes back. And now it's just the same kind of offense we had years ago, where it's the the playmaker, the guy who's going to stay in the pocket, just get the ball out, not make too many mistakes, take advantage of what Shanahan gives him. It kind of feels like they're going back to what worked in the past, which leaves Lance seemingly available for trade or sitting on the bench for the next couple of years. I mean, it used to be, there were exceptions, of course, but it it wasn't unusual to see a guy sit on a bench for a few years. He'd get to learn. There wouldn't be any pressure. He'd sit in the quarterback room. He'd absorb. He'd he'd be like a sponge. And then they'd give him a chance and they'd work him in slowly. And they, you know, they, they, they wouldn't form these judgments about everything so quickly, which I guess brings us to Green Bay where uh, Jordan Love is in a very different and yet similar position as Trey Lance in the sense that he's had this time to be a sponge, to learn from someone who's great at the job. And now he can, you know, go out there and we'll see, we'll see what he can do. It's just beginning for him mm-hmm. where, where it's the opposite, it seems, for Trey Lance. If there's any organization that seems to believe in this old school Develop for years behind the starter until you're ready to take over model, it appears to be the Green Bay Packers. Go back to 2008. Aaron Rodgers sat for several seasons before taking over for Brett Favre after Favre retired for about a month and then was traded to the Jets. Aaron Rodgers did not have much experience, and Jordan Love is certainly similar as well. He has 83 career pass attempts. And he's the most experienced guy in the quarterback room in Green Bay. The, the, the three people the Packers have, that is the least experienced quarterback room heading into a season since Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in 2008, which was similarly inexperienced. Jordan Love has one of the least experienced receiving cores 
in football. It projects to be the second youngest receiving core at wide receiver and tight end per ESPN's Mike Clay and his projections that we've seen over the past two decades. And Hmm. Jordan Love has to make all that work with the expectations that have been put on the Packers annually by having back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks over the past 25 years and Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Is there reason to believe that Jordan Love can do this based on what we know? By all means, the best piece of information we have is not based on his play. It's not based on his college pedigree. It's not based on anything beyond the fact that the Packers were willing to trade away a Hall of Fame quarterback to open up an opportunity for Jordan Love. It appears like the Packers believe. And so if you're a Packers fan, you also have no choice but to believe. What about those guys where it's more about legacy? It's more about reputation than than being able to stick around in the league any longer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, someone like Josh Allen comes to mind where he's been paid. Nobody's going to question Josh Allen's ability as a great quarterback. But there is that question now of what Josh Allen looks like in the postseason. And Jeremy, this is one of those arguments that I hate. Josh Allen's a great quarterback. If you're a great quarterback in the regular season, to me, you're a great quarterback in the playoffs as well. And I saw what Josh Allen did in 2021 in the playoffs against the Chiefs where he was otherworldly, the best player on the field, on a field with Patrick Mahomes. He, he was incredible. It was one of the single best performances I've ever seen. Allen is 4-4 four and four in the postseason. And last year he was bad. He was dealing with an elbow injury, but he struggled against the Dolphins and then played poorly in a blowout loss at home against the Bengals. So from the Bills' perspective and from Josh Allen's perspective, this is their best chance. They have to go on a deep playoff run. Otherwise, the same questions we heard being asked about Peyton Manning, about Dan Marino, about John Elway before Elway did it, they're going to be asked about Josh Allen. All right, Josh Allen, four and four in the playoffs. When we talk about the guys on your all-pressure team in 2023 who are in that pressure-slash-legacy cohort, who else comes to mind? In a very different way, Jeremy, I would think about Kirk Cousins, where we all have this perception of Kirk Cousins in, in our heads, where Kirk Cousins is is fine. He seems like a nice guy. He has questionable grilling choices. He puts He's some enthusiastic. Meat. He's enthusiastic. He puts some meat on Twitter that I, I, I would not personally want to show publicly. Um, But you know what? He's made $200 million in his career. He's been a tough guy. He's been consistent. All those are are valuable and significant, and Kirk Cushion should be lauded for having a good NFL career. But Kirk Cousins has won one playoff game over the course of that NFL career. He's been consistently a player who is good enough to justify having a roster spot, getting paid significant money, and to keep your offense in games, and yet at the same time, a player who has been hopeless. It's felt like in bigger contests or hopeless in the postseason where he's gone one and four over the course of his NFL career. But this may be the last chance for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. He's a free agent after the season. The Vikings are, are, are a team that I think everybody and their grandma knows 
are not going to be as good in close games in 2023 as they were in 2022, where they were the best team in NFL history in games decided by seven points or less. And the Vikings are, they're not naive to that possibility. They're not unaware that they are not projecting to be as good as they were a year ago. So for Kirk Cousins, this might be not just about this year, but also sort of putting himself out there for what his next contract and his final contract most likely is going to be. Maybe Kirk Cousins is not going to be a starter in the NFL after this season. That's a different sort of pressure, but meaningful for a guy who only has so many chances left at proving that he's not just the guy who struggles in the postseason. Speaking of chances and how many are left and nine lives and all that kind of stuff, is there anybody in pro football whose trajectory, whose ups and downs the last few years have been more dramatic and frankly, at this point, harder to follow than Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it's been a wild several years for Baker Mayfield. Looked like he was the savior in Cleveland. Then he was on the outs. He requested a trade. The Browns said no. Then they traded for Deshaun Watson. And the Browns said, oh yeah, sure, we'll trade you now. He goes to the Panthers. He's abysmal. He's the worst quarterback in football. He gets cut by Carolina which thrives after they move on from him. And then he ends up on national television, uh, seemingly learning the Rams playbook on the flight from Carolina to LA, wins a game against the Raiders, has another victory in a nationally televised blowout of the Broncos in the game that I think ended the, the Nathaniel Hackett era in Denver. And now he's in Tampa Bay. And, of, of all the situations for Baker Mayfield to end up with, Los Angeles last year was not ideal. Cooper Cup was hurt. Allen Robinson was hurt. The offensive line was down to third and fourth stringers. I mean, nobody was going to thrive in Los Angeles last year. But Tampa Bay, there might be some opportunities there. They have three excellent wide receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Russell Gage. They have a very good left tackle in Tristan Wirfs, who's moving over from the right side. They have not much competition for Baker Mayfield. It's Kyle Trask, a second-round pick, has not played much, of course, behind Tom Brady. Not many people do. And John Wolford came over from the Rams. This is an opportunity for Mayfield to establish himself. I, I, I just find it remarkable, Bill, that we're still talking about Baker Mayfield. He's had all of these situations, all these opportunities. We know he did great things as a walk-on at Texas Tech and then walking on at Oklahoma, won the Heisman. You know, I, I mean, it's a remarkable story, but at some point, don't we have to just say, no, you're not an NFL quarterback. He's, he's 28 years old. He's not that old. It feels like he's been around since the days of Drew Bledsoe. It feels like he was in the same draft class as Rick Myra, but he's, not, <laughs> he's only 20. He's, he's still young. I will say this much. I understand, Jeremy, if you're sick of discussing Baker Mayfield. Frankly, no, I, think I love a, discussing I, Baker I, Mayfield. I, I think I, I think a lot a lot of people are ready to at least figure out what Baker Mayfield is. And that probably includes Baker Mayfield. I will say this. If he can't do it in Tampa Bay, if he does not win the job, if he does not hold it for a full season, if he does not sit here at the end of the year and say, I've proven myself as an above average NFL quarterback, I think that's probably it. Coming up, the coaches and executives who are on the all-pressure team. 
Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Bill, we've been talking about, as we should, quarterbacks. But now let's talk about the guys on the sidelines and the guys in the executive, what do they call them? The C-suites, the corner suites, right? That's that's what they say now. Mm-hmm. So in that cohort, among those guys, mm-hmm. who's feeling the pressure? Let's start with Baker Mayfield's old pal in Cleveland. Let's start with Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach, who was named coach of the year in 2020 after leading the Browns to their first playoff win in more than 25 years. And that coach of the year nod... It's felt like more of a curse for NFL coaches than it's been a wild mm. success. I think about guys like Stefanski or Matt Nagy, Jason Garrett in years past. That has not always led to consistent success. Andy Reid has not won it since 2002. It, it feels like silly. they were probably the best coach in football a couple of times over the course of that time frame. Right. And Stefanski Stefanski's like a good coach. I think he's done... He did good work with Mayfield in 2020, but he's not been able to build on that. And, of course, Deshaun Watson signs a fully guaranteed contract worth $230 million and then struggles last year. Watson was terrible after entering the lineup. So if a full offseason does not fix the woes that the Browns offense had with Watson in the lineup, if adding Jim Schwartz to be their new defensive coordinator does not solve the defensive concerns, well, There's two people who are in key roles in this organization who might need to change to develop and improve the Browns in the years to come. And one of them is making $230 million fully guaranteed. And it's not Kevin Stefanski. So Mm. if the offense does not turn things around, you would figure that Stefanski will be moving on and Deshaun Watson will be helping to pick the next coach in Cleveland. But it's not just... Kevin Stefanski, who's feeling the heat, uh, obviously. There are other coaches in that category 
Who's at the top of the list? The top of the list for any conversation about anything related to the NFL is usually the Cowboys. And this year is no exception. And it's Mike McCarthy. It's weird because typically when you win 12 games in back-to-back seasons, you don't have questions about your job security. Mm. But this is not a typical situation because the Cowboys are never a typical organization. They moved on from Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator this offseason, which is weird because Kellen Moore was very good at coaching offense. They had ranked first and fourth in scoring over the last two seasons. Moore was fired, and Mike McCarthy decided the solution to fixing whatever was ailing the Cowboys was just to rub more Mike McCarthy in there. He's going to be the play caller this year alongside offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. Mm. And it's not to say McCarthy is a bad coach, because he's not. You don't win 12 games back-to-back years if you're a bad coach. If you come out, as McCarthy did earlier this year, and talk about how you don't want to light up the scoreboard and you want to just run the ball instead, it's going to be difficult to get the benefit of the doubt as you make this change. Mm. And again, Jeremy, I mentioned the money when it comes to Kevin Stefanski. Let's consider the alternatives here in Dallas. The Cowboys just fired their offensive coordinator. Their defense and defensive coordinator Dan Quinn have been one of the best defenses in football over the past few years. And Quinn has been in demand for possible head coaching opportunities elsewhere. Dak Prescott, the quarterback for the Cowboys, is making $40 million per year. So if the Cowboys do what they've done the past couple years and win 12 games, make it to the postseason, and then have a brutal and inexplicable loss where they seem to break down mentally, who do you think Jerry Jones is going to put the blame on? It's not going to be Dak. It's not going to be Dan Quinn. It's going to be Mike McCarthy. So if things don't work out, Mike McCarthy could be moving on. But if Mike McCarthy pulls this off and wins a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, he might be the governor of Texas. And it's worth pointing out that there's never any pressure. The general manager of the Cowboys is never on the all-pressure team. No, no. One solution to avoiding the all-pressure team is to own the team. (laughs) That's right. It, as long ago as it was for Mike McCarthy winning that Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, it's been much longer for his boss, the general manager of Absolutely. the Dallas Cowboys. Now, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, as we so often do, he's kind of the human Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. He's now uh, playing for the New York Jets. And it's interesting, right? Because um, the guy who runs the Jets, Joe Douglas, mm-hmm. he's the guy who drafted Zach Wilson. That feels like last week with the second (laughs) overall pick in the draft. And now it's like, we're moving on. We've got, we've got Aaron Rodgers, nothing to see here. So, so for Joe Douglas, who has such a strong reputation, uh, we're, we're kind of beyond the point at which reputation um, is going to carry the day. Something I've learned, Jeremy, when you make a big mistake, you have to do something even bigger to cover up the mistake. (laughs) When the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen in the first round, they just they had the worst record in football. Rosen was terrible. They fired their coach after one year. They just drafted Kyler Murray with the first overall pick. Just erase that mistake by distracting it with an even bigger solution. And that is the case here with the Jets, where Zach Wilson was one of the worst draft picks of the last two decades when he was taken mm. with the second overall pick. He was unplayable by the end of his second season in New York. Consider that Joe Douglas is 20 and 46 in four years as a general manager. Mm. So, lot riding from Joe Douglas's perspective on Aaron Rodgers being 
Aaron Rodgers this upcoming season. And hey, if it works out, if Aaron Rodgers leads the Jets to the postseason, it's all great. Joe Douglas will get an extension. Everybody will feel good. Nobody will care that Joe Douglas gave up what is likely going to be a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a swap of picks in the first round, and more to get a player in Aaron Rodgers who had literally no other suitors. But if they don't make the playoffs, if the Jets do struggle, if the defense that was the healthiest in football last year can't stay as healthy this upcoming season, if Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett, who was a mess in Denver last year, can't get the offense to work early in the season against the toughest schedule in football through the first six weeks, there are going to be eyebrows raised. And I don't think Robert Sala is going to be the one to blame because Robert Sala has built an excellent defense. Aaron Rodgers is presumably going to be around for a couple of seasons. There's going to be questions about Joe Douglas, the general manager mm. of the Jets, who took a last place team and basically went all in thinking Aaron Rodgers was going to turn them into a Super Bowl contender. I have plenty of friends who are Jets fans. I would love to see them have a successful team. But this is a very tough division, and there are going to be a lot of weeks where the Jets are competitive, but it may come down to a player or two. And we'll see. Aaron Rodgers is still a very good quarterback. Defense is great. There's lots to like. But I, I, I would politely keep my expectations appropriate if I were a Jets fan for 2023. Bill, always a pleasure. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Schapp. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.